This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 93 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the most talented people in and around the hospitality community from right here in Orange County to the rest of Southern California and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Croft McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to my friend, Ali Coyle, who provides music for this show and every other show that you have heard so far. You can find more of her work at AliCoyleMusic.com. And me, Culpa, I made a mistake last episode. First one in 92 of them. I gave the wrong website. I said AliCoyle.com. It is not. It is AliCoyleMusic.com. So go there and find more of her content because she makes amazing stuff. As a reminder, if you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating and or a review wherever you are listening to it. If you're listening on free feeds, if you don't want to be on free feeds, don't forget that you can go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this and only by going to patreon.com forward slash the best seats and signing up at a monthly amount that makes the most sense to you. Can you get early ad free listening to the show, the ability to submit questions, comments, concern, and more as well as the exclusive post show for each and every episode only over at Patreon, as well as exclusive access to all of the other content that will be launching on July 1st. Those announcements are up on Patreon right now. Very excited for them, so go check it out. But enough of that. Let's talk about episode 93, because this is a very exciting one. Um, for as many times as we have chefs on the show, master distillers on the show, bartenders on the show, you know, waiters, barbacks, whatever it is, every other guest that's been on, most of those happen within a restaurant, a bar, a hotel, something like that. Occasionally, we're very lucky to get guests that are doing something outside of those kind of four walls of a restaurant or a bar, but that still affect life within them. This episode is no different. And it's not just somebody who's working in an industry that helps restaurants and kind of helps them do things, but it also is someone who is building a business that will improve the lives of people in general. And I don't just mean in a restaurant, I mean on the planet. My guest for this episode is Caleb Finn. He's a CEO and founder of Circular. Circular is a startup based here in Orange County that basically is tackling the problem, which is a massive problem and one that I'm a huge advocate for fixing, food waste. How is he doing that? Well, that's what we dive into on the show, but to put it shortly, worms. He is launching a business that basically looks to take food waste from sources, namely restaurants, hotels, resorts, things like that, feed it to worms. The worms obviously do what we all do, which everybody poops. They do that. Take the worm casings, as it's called, feed that back into the system, growing food with it. Again, and we talk about this so much on the bonus episode as well. So I really hope that y'all are on Patreon for this one. But basically, it gives it life. It builds all these nutrients back into the soil that grows the food, which we all eat at restaurants or at home. It's a really, really, really fascinating episode. Like I said, 
I, I learned so much from this one, and there's even more content on the bonus one. This is really as fun as all these bonus episodes have been. This one is just even more education. So I hope that you're checking that one out as well. But in the meantime, I don't want to waste any more time because this is such an awesome, amazing episode. Episode 93 of the Best Seats Podcast. I'm wasting no more time. Let's get right into this one, my friends, with Caleb Finn of Circular. Enjoy. Caleb, thank you for taking the time to sit down. I'm very excited to talk to you. This is a hospitality podcast. It is focused on restaurants, bars, and kind of everything else in between and around it. As people know, this is very much one of those around it episodes because we're going to be talking about your goal, your business plan, your business model to deal with something that affects the restaurant industry very much, which is food waste. But before we dive into how you're going to do that, why you want to do that, and so forth, would you mind taking, an uh, taking a minute to introduce yourself, give a little bit of your background and kind of how we came to be here today? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for uh, having me on. I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I think we got connected through a mutual friend um, who designs gardens and for chefs, for ex executive chefs. Yep, friend of the show. County. Everybody will know her, Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potage. Shout out to Ashley for connecting us on this one. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing with what she does with the executive chef gardens. But uh, myself, I'm traditionally, I'm a structural engineer by trade. I make sure buildings don't fall down. But um, I've left that to pursue helping reverse climate change, specifically through food waste. And food waste, um, I think, is the number one contributor to climate change. There's people who share this vision. But at least the UN says 10% of all emissions from the whole world of CO2 come from food waste. So I just figured that's such an important issue. I have three kids. I want the future to be better for them. And what's one thing I could attack that helps so many different problems today? That's food waste. So obviously anybody who works in or around restaurants, any chefs that are listening are immediately going to nod their head a little bit because the number one thing that kitchens deal with is like we just said, food waste. And again, that's a term that everybody's going to hear a lot. So just buckle in for that. Um, how are you, what is your plan to go about kind of counteracting this? Yeah. So I've started an organization called Circular, Circular Economies and, and Circular of Regenerating Our Soils, Our Planet and the People. Uh, but my initial target approach to this is to collect food waste from restaurants. And that's why you and I are talking is the restaurant angle. Um, it's just a consolidated, easy, concise form of getting large volumes of food waste. And we're talking uh, pre-consumer in that like the tops of your tomatoes, the bottom of the lettuce that nobody would eat. But we're also talking post-consumer of the things that are thrown in the trash can or, or would normally be thrown in the trash can. And we can recover those and convert them into an organic fertilizer as well as insect protein. So we just figured this, you know, lots of residences produce food waste and you have grocery stores and universities and cafeterias and everyone and their mother produces food waste. Uh, so we wanted to hit the restaurant angle because it's an easy, quick target where we can get large volumes very quickly and feed them to our food stock. And you mentioned kind of feeding it to your food stock here because you are taking a very, shall we say, kind of targeted approach to how you want to not just break down that food waste, but repurpose it. How are you doing that? When you take that food waste, what are you feeding it to? Yeah, so we're feeding it to a special species of earthworm uh, called Isenia fetida. And it's a red, red wiggler or the tiger worm. Uh, Bill Gates has talked about the tiger worm for even uh, biosolid reclamation. But we're focusing it on food waste. They eat anything in the top six inches of organic matter, typically in nature. So that's your leaf litter or any of the fruit that's dropped from the trees or even animals that have died. 
Um, so they'll eat everything organic. And so our approach is to feed these earthworms the food waste from the restaurants. And then from there, we capitalize on their reproduction because earthworms themselves are a pretty high in demand product. People mm-hmm. don't think about it, but you know, fishermen always, right? But also lots more people are doing this little, little bits in their backyard with uh, organic um, composting or vermiculture of taking care of the worms. But then you also have pet owners, you have zoos that buy lots of worms. Um, and then a big one that's growing is in aquaculture. So your fish farms, your farm salmon, or your farm tilapia that you buy, traditionally they feed the tilapia or the farmed salmon uh, with bait fish from the ocean. And it's a, it's a lossy product, process. Anywhere from one and a half pounds to four pounds of fish from the ocean feeds you one pound of purchased salmon at the store. So it's a net negative process. So if we can offset that with insects grown off of food waste, which is its own problem, solve one problem with another problem, we're golden. Um, and then the worm castings, their product that comes out the bottom, their manure, their poop, yeah. um, it's the greatest poop known to mankind. <laughs> it's See, it's, it's not organic a, that's fertilizer. That's not a sentence you hear every day. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. But, but this one really is. Um, I mean, think about in the soil. When you put your hand in the soil mm-hmm. and you get earthworms, you're, everyone's like, oh, cool. Some people are not so cool. But usually people are like, oh, wow, worms. I got, I got a worm in my hand. But you're also holding a ton of their castings. Yeah. A handful of soil has more life in it than there are humans on the planet. And so when, when you hold that soil of, of castings and, um, and or inorganic matter, organic matter, all your minerals, it's just an incredible biome that's, that's cross-section of our planet. And it really builds. But I mean, to your point, so the worm castings, they're the greatest organic fertilizer known to man. Uh, more and more research has been done in the past 10 to 20 years on their value, culminating so much in that a, a recent scientific study out of Dublin um, in Ireland, uh, they said that earthworm castings can completely replace synthetic fertilizers. That's our goal at Circular, is to continue that transition to more organic, regenerative agriculture through the use of a different problem, food waste. There's a lot of chefs out there that are very big advocates, and I'm a firm believer of it as well, about kind of, you know, utilizing local ingredients, supporting local farmers, things like that. It, it kind of sounds like what you're proposing fixes that link. If you're going to get your food, let's say you're getting, you're getting cows, right? You're going up, you're getting it, whatever, Snake River Farm, somebody, you're getting great cattle from somewhere you're going to take that cattle, serve it in your restaurant. Okay, but now you're talking about taking that leftover waste or taking the offcuts or things like that, broken down plates that didn't get eaten, whatever. You're feeding it to your worms, taking their castings, putting that casting back into the soil that's going to grow the grass. It'll feed the... I mean, you're basically completing, no pun intended because of the name of the company, The Circle. Yes, that's what it was created for, yeah. Before we kind of delve back into some of the benefits of this, some of the kind of processes of how you want to go about it, I want to ask you personally, how did you go from somebody who makes sure that buildings stay up to make sure that worms poop? Yeah, um, it's an interesting story. Um, So I really like super hot peppers. So we're talking ghost peppers or Carolina Reapers. Like Mm -hmm. I've eaten a whole Carolina Reaper. I wouldn't recommend it, but it was an experience. And now I can see I've eaten the spiciest thing on the planet and nothing scares me. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I, I love to grow them because you can't really buy them at the store. So you have to grow them on your own. So I grew them in my garden. They're very fickle plants because they're highly bred. So just like a, a purebred dog, you know, sometimes they have joint problems or mm-hmm. heart problems. These plants are, are fickle. They're difficult to grow. So you have to have special care for them. 
So I'm looking online, everybody, how do I best care for these? And everybody says worm castings. So I'm like, what is this worm castings? I go to the nursery and I try to purchase it and it's expensive, man. This is like more expensive than normal fertilizer. I was like, wow, okay, well, let, let's try it. And lo and behold, my goodness, these pepper plants went off. So I'm thinking, I can't, I can't afford to pay for this every week. What can I do to make them on my own? Well, you can make them with your own kitchen scraps. So I start doing it. I create, uh, you know, I buy a little tub of worms. I get a bin, I set it up and I start feeding them my kitchen scraps along with some yard waste and shredded cardboard. And then I can harvest the worm castings out of there for myself, for my own garden. And then at the same time, I'm reducing my waste. In in gardening and in growing my garden, I looked into becoming a UC Master Gardener. Mm -hmm. And awesome course. I recommend it to anyone who wants to learn more. The point of it, though, is to volunteer to educate the community. So in that process, I'm learning about a lot of the problems that are going on with agriculture, with food, with growing our own food, how different it is in a home garden versus commercial agriculture and why. Well, because, you know, cost and supply and size and scale and all these things. But in an effort to create that, we've lost a lot of the benefits of the food. Uh, a lot of your chefs probably would know this. And there was another study just recently confirming it. So any of the naysayers out there, <laughs> but the food you eat now has one third of the nutrition that it had 70 years ago. So what our grandparents ate. So you have to eat three times as much broccoli to get the same amount of iron or magnesium or calcium out of that broccoli. Uh, that's insane that we're eating nutrientless food. Right? It doesn't have, what does that translate to for chefs? Nutrients is taste. So we're, we have this not so tasty food. Why do you think farm to table is growing so much? Because the food just tastes better. A tomato should taste like a tomato. A carrot should taste like a carrot. Yeah. Amen. Right? So I started looking at this, combining it with the climate change problems of the world. Mm-hmm. Of you know, growing CO two is obviously a big one of greenhouse gas emissions, and the, the climate is warming, and that's that's a big one. But there's other crazy problems that people don't normally think about with climate change: of biodiversity, of nitrification of our waterways, and of the the soil dying. What does that mean? The soil dying. Well, remember when I said that soil has so much life in it, unless you put synthetic chemicals all over it, including pesticides. Now later. You've, you've killed all those microbial life and instead replaced it with chemicals. And now we're ingesting not only nutrientless food, but food that's imbued with chemicals. And just all these problems we see in the world. I mean, now we've got the war in Ukraine and we've got food shortages going on and, and fertilizer shortages because they're producing most synthetic fertilizers with natural gas. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a better way. Right, that's the, the entrepreneurial motto. There's got to be a better way. Yeah. So how, that's, that's where I said, how can we fix food quality, human health, uh, climate change with all the other environmental problems going on, and then this circular economy, building, keeping local economies strong. If we collect the food waste, we give it back to the local farmers, they make food, sell that to the restaurants, collect the food waste. We keep all those nutrients and water, by the way, right? We're in California. There's all this drought concerns. How much percentage of food is water? Like 90% or more of food is water? So when we put it in the dump or we truck it out of state, that's where our water's going. 60% of all water in California is used for agriculture. And now we're just wasting that water in food. 
And then the nutrients, right? We, we dump all this fertilizer on the soil and then we extract it and we feed it and we throw the waste into the dump or, or the biosolids don't go back onto the farms either. Where are we getting those nutrients from? It's not a circular process. It's not a regenerative process. So I figured food waste is the way to go. It's the way to solve all these problems with one single shot. It doesn't seem like it at first, but when you start tacking on all the secondary and tertiary benefits, it really comes together. So, well, it's time for a little commercial. Yeah. I don't know about you, but 2020 had me relooking at how I live and the space that I live in. Spending so much time at home really had me reevaluating how certain things worked and didn't in my living space. One of the main things, as an avid home cook and an obvious supporter of restaurants, was gardening. Anybody who enjoys food at all will be able to tell you that something you've grown yourself will taste infinitely better than anything you can buy at a store. That's where Ashley Irene of Heirloom Potager comes in. Heirloom Potager designs, installs, and maintains seasonal culinary gardens for chefs and foodies in Orange County. They provide organic gardening methods and bespoke build-outs used to preserve the heirloom varietals that they'll provide for seeds. An approachable and exciting endeavor, no matter if you're a seasoned restaurateur or a stay-at-home chef. Owner Ashley Irene's experience, expertise, and enthusiasm is only matched by her professionalism. For more information on how you can set up a consultation to get your own culinary garden space set up, go to heirloompotager.com. That's heirloom, H-E-I-R-L-O-O-M, potager, P-O-T-A-G-E-R.com today. Once again, that's heirloom potager. If you listen to the best seats at all or read the content, then you know the motto, live well and often. But what does it mean? In layman's terms, It's trying to give you the best products, places, experiences, and more, so you can put a big smile on your face every single day. Amass Botanics is what I use on my back bar constantly if I need a cocktail or a quick pick-me-up. Any of their other botanical products, like candles, hand sanitizer, and more, also helps to set the mood. Now, I'm a big fan of everything that Amass does. I have been since day one when they launched their trademark gin, and everything they've done since then has been nothing short of excellent. Now you can get your hands on their products at a discounted rate by going to amass.com and using the discount code, thebestseats15, that's C-E-A-T-S, at checkout. Now it's limited one per customer, so make sure you load up. But trust me, you can't go wrong with anything they're doing. I stand by Amass 100%. They're one of my go-to brands for spirits needs or anything around the house. So again, Go to amass.com, that's A-M-A-S-S, and use the code THEBESTSEATS15 at checkout. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. So, obviously, you've got the drive, you have the catalyst, you have the aha moment of like, hey, this is simple, why is no one doing it? Okay, this makes sense, I'll do it. How are you kind of, how did you go about kind of putting everything together to be like, when did you first showcase this? I mean, how have you been sharing it? Because we should mention at the time of this recording that you're in the building stages. You are taking on investors. You are actively doing it. So if anyone is looking to invest, you can reach out, obviously, through the details um, in the notes at the end of the show, just like always. But you're looking to build out facilities and looking to basically launch this thing to do what it should do. And it's one of those things that you hear what it should do, and it makes perfect sense. But what was kind of that first moment where you showcased this to other people and they went, well, we got something here? 
Yeah, correct. I mean, first to your point, yes. If any of the listeners have investor connections or are just interested in the process and would like to work partner somehow with your restaurant or with your farm organizations or whatever, please hit me up, Caleb at GoCircular.ag. But where I first initiated this was um, at, at UC Irvine. I was working there as a structural engineer, um, making sure buildings don't fall down. Always good. And uh, they have a new business competition. So on my own time at home, I started putting this concept together. And I have to say, too, that I was inspired by movies like Kiss the Ground, mm-hmm. uh, The Biggest Little Farm, uh, Wasted, The Story of Food Waste, which was by Anthony Bourdain. A lot of people don't know about that movie, but it's Yeah, awesome. that was a big one. Um, so I, I'm inspired by these. I created this like grand plan. I call it the perfect circle. And I, I showed it to you. Mm-hmm. It you know, includes chickens and pigs and kelp permaculture marine farms and food waste and uh, vertical farming. And I had this great plan. I took it to this new business competition and I'm talking to the mentors and the advisors. I'm like, here's my plan. And they're like, wow, that's really cool. But you're trying to boil the ocean, dude. Like that's <laughs> way too much. You can't do that all. You got to f- start somewhere. And so in talking to them, I started with the worms. I got a team together of um, UCI MBA students, fully employed MBA students. And we submitted to the competition for the business competition. And lo and behold, Despite my best efforts, we won. <laughs> and it was really a validation of that concept. that was in 2021? 2021, yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to Nate Jackson, um, Sarah Estevez, and Anjan Magar. Um, they were my team, and they're awesome. Um, Sarah's a PhD in nanotech. Uh, Nate actually works with James Cameron in Hollywood. He's com- Avatar 2 is coming out pretty soon. He's working on 3D. And Anjan is at Soka University. He's environmental studies. They are such a cool team. Um, and I was really, really blessed and thankful to have them. But yeah, we put together the pitch deck, you know, the classic pitch deck, yep. and we, we submitted yep. it to the investors. Now they're focused, it was social impact, our, our, our track, but they were also focused on sustainability financially, which was different for me. I'm coming at it from the angle of like, we just got to solve these problems and maybe I'll create a nonprofit organization or whatever. But in talking to a lot of the advisors there, you know, they told me, don't go nonprofit because we've worked in nonprofits for years, for you know, 20, 30 years. And it's just a constant hamster wheel of fundraising. Yeah. You do a lot of good, but you can't support yourself. You're constantly in that next round of trying to raise funds. Yeah. yeah. So that's why they direct me to the business competition. You know, we were able to establish and demonstrate the financials there. And through that, I've gotten a lot of great advisors. Um, after that, we applied to two incubators, the Wayfinder at UC Irvine and RevHub OC, which is a social enterprise incubator that's starting up here in Orange County. And they've really, really helped me a lot. I mean, I'm just an engineer, right? I'm not a businessman per se, but they've helped me learn the ropes to get something up and running to create this sustainability impact. So we mentioned that you're taking on investors, but obviously the wheels are very much turning. I mean, this thing is moving forward. It's just depending on at what speed and which steps. So where do kind of things with the business stand now? We're recording this almost the end of June, which I can't believe is a real thing to say. I know. Uh, listeners will be hearing this in free feeds, give or take, around you know beginning of July. So where does kind of Circular stand at this moment? Yeah. So we are raising funds mm-hmm. from investors, specifically climate focus and sustainability impact investors. Um, but anyone in the food agriculture industry who, who knows what this is, I mean, fertilizer prices, which we're selling are through the roof in the past two years. So yeah. anybody on that side, um, we have a space um, in Irvine, UC agriculture department, UC A&R, they have 300 acres of land up there, experimental land that they do all kinds of like water trials and new experiments. And they've agreed to give us 
um, one to two acres of land to help create this pilot to, to help understand where it's going to go. Um, I already have people interested in purchasing the material and we've got all kinds of restaurants really interested in what we're doing. We didn't touch on the state laws. I can go into that. That's probably beneficial for your, your chefs here on the, on the, the podcast. But um, State Bill 1383, California, mm-hmm. went into effect January this year. And it basically says anyone who creates any food waste at all must recycle it in some way. Usually when I talk to restaurant chefs, they didn't even know that bill existed. <laughs> and we're in June. Um, cities are scrambling to get it all put together. Waste management companies are scrambling to get it all put together. Yeah, I think we had a bin put outside of like our apartment, like one dumpster. So yeah, it's just like pe- people are definitely scrambling. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this up and I want to let you continue it because I wanted to ask you about this. So yeah, no, please keep going about this and dive into it as much as you want. Yeah, it's a logistical nightmare, honestly. Um, it's a great endeavor. It's one of the greatest endeavors that California has undertaken in sustainability, in my opinion. Um, you know, the, the amount of benefit that this will have on the climate, on our circular economy, on our sustainability is massive. But it just nobody knows how to do it. And people are scared of it. Uh, there are, you know, restaurant people I talk to and they say, whether it's a restaurateur or the property management or, or the chef, I don't want to have a bin of food waste in the back of my, my house, right? Or in the kitchen, it's going to smell. We're going to get bugs. We're going to get pests. And like, I, that's, that's disgusting. I don't, and it's extra labor. I don't have to separate this crap back behind the, the house. But the reality is it's the law now. But, you know, the carrot to that stick is, is all the benefits that it will have. Um, to that effect, the waste hauler companies, waste management, Edco, CRNR, Athens, all, all these, they're raising prices across the board, whether it's for residential, you and me, or for commercial, for restaurants. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in LA, restaurants already pay an average of like 4000 or more per year for waste hauling fees. And that's going to go up to like five or more per year to compensate for the food waste. So that's another angle that we're trying to help this all happen. Because again, restaurateurs don't want to do it. It's difficult. Some of them are super jazz on it, I will admit. And I've met some awesome executive chefs who are like, I want to save the planet. Let's do this. I'm going to train all my guys in the back and we're going to make this happen. Um, but, you know, some, we get some pushback. We want to help facilitate that. We want to make it easy. So instead of picking it up once a week, traditionally, we're going to pick it up every day. And instead of leaving you the same bin and just kind of dumping it out so that the remains are there and the film and all that nastiness, we're going to swap out bins. And we're going to allow for a discount on these waste hauling fees so that restaurants aren't, I mean, restaurants are already bearing tons of huge costs, yeah. inflation, supply chain, et cetera. Well, I, this on. I was going to say, I mean, to play devil's advocate for it, it's already been two years of just getting your ass kicked by COVID and regulations and outdoor dining, indoor dining, mass, no mass, this, hiring shortages, food prices. I mean, there's a lot that people are dealing with on a daily basis. So I get the, oh, now it's one more thing I have to deal with, with the food bin thing. So let's say, and you were you were already starting to touch on it. Let's say hypothetically, you get all the funding you need and the facility is built tomorrow. Yeah, I'm a chef. I run restaurant X over in whatever, Newport Beach. I sign up for your service. What does that look like? Like you mentioned, you come every day, you pick up my food waste bin, you swap it out. But I mean, you know, we mentioned also maybe food that's not eaten or things like that. So yeah, I mean, where does it go from there? Yeah. So the premise would be, we pick it up every day mm-hmm. and we provide a report through an app um, of how much food waste we picked up from you. Mm-hmm. And then 
similar to like Chipotle's app at the bottom, they have a sustainability report of like, by you buying a burrito, apparently you've like saved the Amazon rainforest or something, but. <laughs> I was gonna buy the burrito anyway, so yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing that restaurants. Probably not there, but I'm still gonna get a burrito. <laughs> yes, a much more authentic burrito. We live in Southern California for crying out loud. But um, that's the beauty for chefs is honestly, by collecting this food waste, we can make a difference. We can offset emissions and we can effectively plant trees or, or sequester carbon. So we pick it up every day. We take it back to our facility, we pre-process it, and then we feed it to the worms. Then we take that worm castings, sell it to local farmers and super gardeners, I call them, um, like Ashley uh, mm -hmm. of Heirloom Pottinger. And then we partner with them to get their produce back into those same restaurants that we collected from. So we're creating this circular economy. We're creating this nutrient cycle and econ economic cycle. Um, then we would provide a report to the restaurants. They would see their sustainability impact. They can then put, this is our pitch to restaurants, you put the circular logo on either your front of house or on your, your menu. It demonstrates you're participating in a regenerative circular process, circular economy. And it's a cooler looking logo than that TripAdvisor owl. So, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. We spent a lot of time <laughs> on that logo. But the reason for that is we've done our research. Customers are more willing to shop at a restaurant, to buy food at a restaurant that participates in some kind of food recycling process. And then when they do, they're more willing to buy more food because they're not worried about wasting it. And they're willing to pay more for that food. So we've got a triple benefit here for restaurants of advertising that they participate in the circular process, whether it's with us or with anyone else. The, bent, the, the key is, are you doing something specific with your food. Um, and again, that's back of house, front of house, um, anything that spoils, we, you know, we take all that. Can you really take like anything? I mean, are there certain items that you can't take? I mean, are there certain things that don't break down as easily or because it's kind of like the, the, the joke about recycling, right? Everyone's like, well, you got to recycle your stuff. Well, yeah, but no. And I think, um, I think John Oliver, who has a show on HBO, people can go look that up last week tonight with John Oliver. They did a great breakdown of recycling, how half of it like actually doesn't get recycled or it's like if something is wrong with it, they don't take it. There's all these kind of minutia things. Is yours kind of like that? I mean, if I'm running, you know, a steakhouse that also has seafood and stuff like that, can you take the shell casings? Can you, you know, you can take the trimmings, you can take, you know, things like that. I mean, is there anything that you couldn't have those worms poop out? <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better term i mean yeah absolutely well we will curate the feeding um mm -hmm. to where i mean when we're talking worm reactors we're not talking about like a little little tub in your house right we're talking five foot by 40 foot by three feet deep and we're talking 10 to 20 of those per location so this is massive amount of space and millions if not billions of worms doing the processing we will curate their feeding to where we feed them the right amount of any one thing uh, if we get a lot of steak or a lot of chicken, we can we can divvy that up to where it won't overwhelm one area of the bin. Again, I mentioned that worms will eat anything organic. Um, some of the challenges are keeping other pests out of yeah. the bins. And so that's where these the uh, um, grease or meats or orange peels or banana peels, people worry about putting those in the bin because they're going to attract other pests. Not because it's going to destroy the worms or they won't eat it, but you just have to more carefully manage it. Well, this is a commercial system. We're going to very carefully manage it every single day. So to answer your question, yes, we can feed anything and everything. It's cool that you mentioned the, the lobsters or the seafood shells or the oyster shells. 
that's its own sustainability interesting issue. Mm-hmm. Part of what we're doing and a lot of what society is doing and sustainability is doing is going back 300 to 1,000 years of the way they did things back then, but scaling it and making it more efficient with technology. So what did they do back then with shells? Well, you can put them in the garden. I mean, oyster shells are great for the, they break down. Eggshells, right? Every little old lady puts her eggshells in their garden, you know? Yeah. But we can, so if we take eggshells or, I mean, yeah, gosh, some cafes produce massive amount of eggshells, right? We can take those, blend them into a powder. The worms love that, actually. They're kind of like birds in that they need, they have a gizzard, and so they need the little bit of grit to help grind their food. Eggshells are great. Calcifies your, your. I don't know produce. a single person that didn't have to do the damn worm dissection in elementary school, <laughs> and I don't remember any of this. <laughs> it's been a cool learning experience for me. I mean, I nerd about nerd out about stuff like this all the time, but this one has especially interested me. I love the way these worms function. I will clarify: not every species of worm functions like this. Um, there are some invasive worms actually that we have to be careful of. Alabama jumpers, you'll see them. They, they whip around like snakes. They're huge. You'll find them in your gardens here. They're invasive. They're not good. They don't produce good worm castings, but this specific species is just miraculous. That's awesome. Of course, the bad worms are from Bama. No offense to Bama. There's actually some really good people down there. Shout <laughs> out to the people from, at Neon Moon. <laughs> they're technically from Asia. They just found them in Alabama in the United States first and call them Alabama jumpers. But yes. That's wild. And also sounds terrifying. If I saw a big old worm that was just reeling around, I would it, my, my mother would come out real quick of, yeah, just that'd be a squeal. I wouldn't be good with that. Um, I mean, ideally, once this gets up and running, like you mentioned, you've already talked to some executive chefs in the area. Obviously, there's other applications for this, whether it's dealing with schools, food waste and things like that. Universities, like you mentioned, prisons even. I mean, I imagine there's a lot of uses for this. We're kind of keeping this hospitality focused just for the nature of this podcast. But you mentioned you've spoken with some chefs. I mean, what are some of the, are they just like thumbs up kind of waiting for you to kind of get the green light to get the facility up? Or are they kind of giving you feedback on, hey, actually this would work a little better for our systems or things like that, like service wise. What are some of the things that you've learned in your conversations with local chefs? Yeah, it's been really great talking to them, honestly. Um, shout out to uh, Poppy and Seed and then also to the Vea Marriott and then also to the Anaheim Packing House. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of restaurants in the Anaheim Packing House, and I know some of the restaurateurs there, and they've been, all of these groups have given me great feedback on how do we manage this back of house? How do we train the staff? How do we make sure that the quality of what we're giving, you know, is not polluted in any way? I just got weirdly jealous of the worms, imagining that they're going to get Chef Shachimira's, like, Indian food, just because who wouldn't want that? Even I want that now. So, oh, they love curry. When worms love curry. Shout out to Chef Shachi. They love your curry. Okay? <laughs> That's awesome. I love it too. So I'm down for it. Good for them. <laughs> What's been cool is they've each given me something unique to think about because they know their space. Mm-hmm. They've been doing it for a lot of years, and they're experts at what they do. And so, for instance, uh, Chef Andy Arndt at the Vea and Marriott, we came up with this idea that I'm going to try and implement. It's brand new, so. Don't, don't quote me on all this, but the idea is that, okay, to, to start real quick, the EPA has this upside down triangle of what should happen to food waste. Yeah. At the very top is diversion. Don't waste it at all. Okay. Got it. Grandma always said that obviously it's not working. We're still wasting half of our food in the whole United States, $160 billion worth a year. But under that is feed it to humans. There's one in five people here in Orange County who doesn't have enough food to eat, which is insane. To think about we're wasting all this food, but at the same time, people don't have enough to eat. In particular, kids. Yeah, which is just unacceptable. Exactly. 
And so I asked Chef Andy, I said, what, what are you guys doing with your edible food? Because I would like to divert that to people. I think that's a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, we really like giving it away to the food banks. We want to. But it's been difficult because we have to store it overnight. The food banks are kind of picky sometimes with what they're able to take, you know, based on their regulations or stipulations. And so it's been a troublesome process. So our idea we came up with is what if, at the same time as we pick up the food waste in the truck, we also have a section of the truck that we pick up edible food. And then the food banks don't have to travel around to every restaurant. We're already doing that. We're aggregating all the food, edible food. We keep it in cold storage at our location. Food banks come to our location every day, pick through what they want. Whatever they don't want just gets fed to the worms anyways. They're right there. I don't, I don't mean to torture the metaphor, but you're kind of becoming like an ATM for the bank almost. Like, <laughs> or a branch, I guess, would be the better way to put it. But So they would basically come to you. You would act as kind of a hub for these restaurants who do have edible stuff. Then they can pick through what they want. So, I mean, the chef still has to obviously kind of store it to some extent, kind of, you know, whatever it is in their walk-in or something like night, that. Yeah. yeah, until you're able to grab it. But that's... I mean, hypothetically, there's no reason that that shouldn't work. Although that's kind of the kicker, isn't it? I mean, hypothetically, there's no reason any of this shouldn't sure. work. Yeah, I do have to ask, you know, are there any, you know, what are some of the hurdles outside of the obvious ones, which we can leave, you know, fundraising and things like that is, is its own monster when you're building a business. But are there any hurdles that you've kind of run into so far that you either weren't expecting or that have kind of been a little bit of a, like a, a thorn in your side so much as kind of getting this going? Just timeline. I mean, there have been some popular movies that kind of explore this concept of timeline with climate change and with the, the ails of our society. And, you know, you want to get something up and running. You want to make an impact now. You want to change people's lives. You want to f- save the planet. But stuff takes time. Um, meeting the right people, understanding how to behave in, in your new space, right? I've never been an entrepreneur. I got to learn how to be an entrepreneur. Um, and, and getting these contacts with these chefs or with farms who want to purchase the material or whatever – it's just been time. Yeah. Um, most people have been very supportive. You get your guy every now and then who, ah, climate change is a joke. It's not real. Um, but whatever, that anybody can But even, if, even if that's their position, you're still ultimately offering them something that will save them money. So even if you want to be that guy and say that, no, nothing's real, at least you get to save a buck. So, right. yeah, shut up and buy in. That's our position. We want to help the restaurants. Right? Yeah. In addition to helping the people on the planet, we want to help the restaurants. So that, that's been a challenge. Like you said, fundraising has been a challenge. Um, you go to these uh, COP26 cli- Glasgow Climate Summits, UN. There's trillions of dollars pouring into the economy worldwide over climate change and sustainability. And like, how? You're like, where? Well, let me get a little. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just need like 0.001% of that. And we can make crazy difference. Um, but short of the challenges, I will say I'm, I've been grateful to learn about and partner with some organizations who are really, really trying to make a difference. Um, you know, the French government did an organization, and now it's kind of shifted from them, called a Four Per Milli, where they're trying to increase the carbon content of soils earthwide by 0.4% per year. And that would sequester all the carbon emissions we do every year. So they're really hot on this. Uh, Kiss the Ground organization, really mm-hmm. hot on this. Um there's, there's so many organizations that have been really positive and are trying to move the needle. It's just, man, bureaucracy and hoops. You want to get things done. You want to make a change, but you just got to, you got to play the game. You got to go through, yeah. the, through the steps. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm completely sold. It makes total sense to me. Um, I am a huge proponent of kind of completing that circle of how we eat, where we eat, what we're eating, know what you're eating. And this takes kind of 
knowing what you're eating and where it came from to a whole different level. Um, I want to wrap up this main episode, but obviously keep you around for a uh, subscriber only bonus episode, which people can find over at patreon.com forward slash the best seats. Everybody heard the details for that in the intro to the show. Um, but before we kind of wrap up, um, if you know, we always wrap up the show with if people want to reach out and contact you, but really because this impacts and could potentially impact chefs so much, or if there's anybody listening that does do any business investment. I know I've had some people that have reached out to me on the past regarding different people's ventures I've had on. Uh, what's the best contact and way for people to reach out and kind of contact you or even chefs that want to pick your brain or, or maybe have like some kind of, you know, constructive feedback on the process or processes that you're putting in place. Yeah. Hit me up on email, Caleb at gocircular.ag. Um, or I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, go circular, AG, LinkedIn, all of the above. Um, I will admit our website is a little bit amateur. We have a developer working on upgrading it right now. But um, yeah, any of those would work. Just reach out to me. I'd be happy to connect with you. That's awesome. Man. Well, like I said, we're going to stick around for a little bit of a bonus one. But for everybody who is listening on free feeds, um, thank you so, so much for the time, man. I'm I'm completely sold on what you're doing. I wish I had some of those, you know, global summit trillions to, to chuck your way because it's just it just makes sense, frankly. And I know that that can be frustrating from an entrepreneurial side. I get that being a very, very, and much less more impactful entrepreneur on my side, but I get the frustrations of it. Um, I, I could see your passion for it. And I am completely behind what you're trying to do. Thank you, man. I really appreciate your support and thank you for having me on. 100%. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to Caleb for taking the time to sit down. Um, it's scary when you're building a business as somebody who's been building this one since the start of the pandemic. I know those fears for him to sit down and take the time. I mean, his his knowledge and his energy level and his enthusiasm was so infectious. I know that there's no way you didn't just listen to that episode and you're not as giddy as I was by the end of the time that we recorded it. I love his passion. I love the mission. I love the goal. Food waste is simply unacceptable and the amount that we waste is even more unacceptable. So for him to put together this plan that just frankly makes sense is amazing. I hope that it gets off the ground very quickly. I hope that you enjoyed it. Thank you to everybody that supports on Patreon. If you're listening on free feeds, thank you as well. Every listen matters. Remember to share with your friends. You can check out more on social media at The Best Seats. Go to thebestseats.com for more. Thank you to all the advertisers. Um, shout out again to Ashley Coyle for the music. The only reason this episode ever sounds good is because of her tunes in the background. Thank you once more to Caleb and to everybody. Make sure to tip your waiters. I'll see you out there very soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and principal of The Best Seats. It's based in Orange County, California. It is subsidized through generous monthly donations at patreon.com forward slash The Best Seats. The following are the names of those who subscribed at the highest monthly tier, aka norm status, and allow me to continue producing this show each and every month. As a thank you for their continued support, here are the names. Shell McCarthy, Serena Warino, George Pavlov, Eric Lutz, Paige Reardon, Loco Lipo, Tim Falk, Marito Norito, Sarah Hines, Subtle Bubbles, Jay Baker, Tim Swine, John Sanchez. Thank you for your support.